welcome everyone to the Diamond in the Buff podcast, a Survivor Superfan podcast looking at all the outwitting, the outplaying and the outlasting. Thank you for joining us for our first recap podcast for season 42 of the US Survivor. Before we dive headfirst into this season, my name is Simon and I'm your host, but I'm also joined by the rest of the crew. Thank you for joining me once again. We have Beth, Jacob and Gav. How was your mini break, everyone? Hi, it was great. Yeah, it was good. Good to be back, though. I'm excited. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to get yeah get into the US season and yeah, hello to everyone again. Perfect. Yeah, well, we are back and as you said, fresh off the Australian season of Blood versus Water, we've had a couple of weeks now to kind of take stock and um, you know digest everything that happened. But we're back and ready for some more Survivor. Um, you are listening to a recap of episodes one to six, so. Um, if you are behind and have been streaming like we have to catch up, so a bit of a spoiler alert, I think first time we've done that in terms of this episode because we're going to go through everything from episodes one to six um, and then our next episode is going to be recapping seven to eight when it airs and then we'll be back on um, basically as they're coming out doing every episode weekly until the season ends. So it's been fun with the crossover. It was too much to kind of do both, but we're, we're heading straight back into the US Survivor now. Firstly, you know, we've binged uh, six episodes very quickly. So do you have any initial thoughts on how you vibe in the season 42 at the moment? I'm so excited to be watching US Survivor again. I love it. There's just something about it and I, I love it. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a different feeling. And the, I mean... Well, it's not going to come as any surprise to people that I like the pace of US Survivor. You know, it's it's snappy, but somehow there's just still so much good content and substance. You know, we're we're talking strategy. We've got challenges. We've got, admittedly, it's we'll talk about it a little bit more later. But one challenger, uh, an episode, more or less. Um, but yeah, I'm loving the pacing of it. It's it's just rapid fire. Yeah, it's it's great with um and we've kicked off with a back to back season. It was cool that Jeff kind of explained that as well, that the players they've got playing in this season haven't seen the previous season. So they've they're able and that's what the he said, this season we're going to be using the majority of the same tricks advantages um that they did in the one before because they can sort of thing. So it's like these players don't know what's coming to them. Um it's sort of cool that we've got that whole um behind the camera look a few times with Jeff and where he's talking to the audience a lot more. And as the, uh, um, as the tribes are walking into a challenge, um, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's just got a really cool feel to it. And they've, they've moved with the times a bit with that as well. I kind of like that. They're unashamedly sort of testing the waters and trying things out. It's like an experiment, you know, rather than just taking a pun and not telling us about it and shaking things up so much that we hate it. We're sort of on board for the ride of shaking things up and seeing, um, you know, just, just trying out these new methods, which I really like. And something that the Australian seasons do really well is the storytelling and getting you attached to the characters because you find out a bit more about them. And characters, I mean the players, the survivors. <laughs> um, but And that's something that the US season I think lacked for a very, very long time that you just, you know, after the first sort of two, three episodes, you know, you still weren't, you didn't know who was who. Whereas this season, I don't know why, but like all the players, like they've got really interesting backstories and like you just get connected to them, but they're actually taking the time and giving people the screen time to share their stories. And it's just, it's fascinating. Yeah. I think that was my first kind of feeling jump into this season that the cast seems really fun. I'm excited to talk about a whole bunch of them as we go. And 
I kind of really like how they start with three tribes. I know I, I talked about yeah. it last time, but, you know, it brings a, a new dynamic to the first challenges and, you know, your first tribal council, you've only got six people, so there's no way to really to hide. And I think you're right, Beth, they're very deliberately kind of picking people who've got story mm. for better or worse, you know, it's TV. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll go into, I know you mentioned before, Jacob, you know, the comparison between the Australian season. Um, so as we've gone kind of straight from, I was into the US, we'll be doing it for the big moments, but it might be ideal as we go through, you know, to kick off with a bit of a survivor comparison amnesty. Um, is there anything that we want to talk about and get off that chest and as we hit the reset button in terms of what stood out um, or annoyed you or you liked about, you know, the change from Australian into US? Yeah, look, I think just to elaborate on the pacing more, I think it's really interesting the things they have to cut to get to 40 minutes because I don't think it's a lot. It's it's noticeable, you know, and I think there is a little bit less time spent on the character backstories and things like that. But it's kind of crazy how different a 40-minute episode feels to an hour and 20 or an hour and 30-minute episode. It feels it's lightning fast. You start watching and it's over. It, it's But that's enjoyable to me because that's always the sign of a good movie or a good TV show where you go, where did that time go? Um, and that's kind of where I struggled a lot with Australian Survivor where I was watching the clock going, when is it going to end? You know, how much time do I have left? Which is not the best feeling when you're watching a TV show. You really want to be forgetting your time. Yeah, the time goes really fast, but they're also still fitting so much in. Like there's so much strategy talk that as an audience we get to see. And I think it was in episode five or six they just had so many different plays. It would have been episode six. Um, they had so many different um, strategies going on and you, you heard all of it, but you had no idea which way it was going to go. So you actually went into tribal and my note says, I have no idea who's going mm-hmm. home because you just saw so much strategy and that's just not something that the Australian Survivor producers do very well. Yeah, I think as well, like early days when you're in the tribes of three, those it's, they're small groups as well. So strategy is so important in such a small tribe as well to mm. to find who you're tight with very quickly. Like you need to do that. Um, yeah, so it's it's they got to be thinking like right from the start as well. I, I did like as well for this season, um, which is a bit different to the um, you, uh, Australian season we've just come from. Like it's all fresh players as well. So watching it as well you're learning and it can take a little bit as well like warming to who you like who you don't like but you you're meeting like all new um, contestants for the first time as well you're right about the change of pace and it was weird because after coming off of 23 episodes of australian survivor i almost feel like it's too fast like i've kind of Mm -hmm. wanting just a little bit more but they the the US it's kind of stark the difference on how they nail the drama and there's always something pushing the game forward. Whereas I felt with the blood versus water, it was slowing down a little bit. We've had six episodes now. It's been frantic. It's been fast paced. Things are always happening. It's keeping you second guessing, and I've really enjoyed it um, so far. Even though I've been wanting a little bit more, the fact that we're already you know at that merge point is like kind of shocking to me. But um, it's been great. Six episodes in and we're at, at Merge. It's crazy. And sort of elaborating a bit more on what Jacob was saying that I'm finding when watching it that the time's going so fast and I'm captivated like the whole time. Like I'm really enthralled in it, whereas I found myself while watching the Australian series, I'd be like sort of my brain would wander or I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to hop up and get the laundry out of the dryer and fold while watching. Like I was sort of trying to multitask because I just wasn't like I was enjoying it. 
um, but I just wasn't as engaged in it, whereas the US one I, I am. But I also agree that what you said, Simo, that it is, it is fairly fast-paced. You kind of want it to slow down and to get more of it. Yeah, well, almost the Australian season, we suggest, you know, you can do the laundry, watch it in the background, listen to Diamond in the Buff to get you up to date because you don't need to actually watch it all. But <laughs> it feels like the US one, uh, you need both. Like everything's <laughs> happening really quickly. But um, Well, one thing we said we did like that the Aussies were doing were, were the challenges, but I've, I've really enjoyed the challenges and we'll go into that more detail mm. as well later. But, yeah, so far I've there have been some brutal challenges, but I've really enjoyed watching um, each of them as well. They just right, seem yeah. to do it really well, the, the US Survivor. Yeah, well, for our first kind of uh, episode or podcast for the US season, we've got a, a new unique segment for this one called Drop the Four and Keep the One. Jacob, do you want to tee us up for this one here? Yes, I mean, this segment's just what do we like about the new format? There's obviously a lot of changes and like I said before, I do really like that they're taking us along this ride of experimentation and it's interesting to see the game evolve and we we spoke a bit in previous podcasts about how the game evolves and how quickly it can evolve. I guess Jeff and the team are now forcing an evolution of the game, which, you know, whether they thought it was a bit stagnant, I'm not sure, Um, but it's really cool to see And, and I think you can tell that they're finding their feet and they're sort of going, oh, which things don't work and do uh, which ones do and don't work. And I think if, you know, 80% of their new tricks land, I think that's a good success rate for a really established show. Um, yeah, look, I, I really like the gimmick of the the three idols. I think it's just kind of fun. Yeah. I don't think they'll keep it. I think it'll run its course. Um, but, you know, that's one of the big standouts. And then obviously the reverse time thing is, is a pretty big deal. Um, that I'd like to see shaken up in future ones. You know, I think them giving us this um, information that they were recorded back-to-back has given, we've given them a lot of leeway in terms of not changing what they've done too much because they're just trying it out twice in a row to see what happens. Again, we're invested in this experience, so we're okay with anything that might fall short. So, um, yeah, I think that could improve over time. I'll be intrigued where they take it. But honestly, it's just this new rapid evolution of the game where it's going to open up everyone's minds to what can be done with Survivor. And the thing I like is the core is still there, right? The core elements of it being a social game, a challenge game, a strategic game are all still there. It's just got a little bit of spice, which is nice. Nice spice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Gav touched on that, but having the 41 and 42 back-to-back, I find really kind of refreshing that there's this wrinkle where – you know, the, they've done this in this quarantine. They haven't had an opportunity to see the reception of season 41 and kind of mm. things, but they're going, we're just going to do it again mm. um, and see almost this experiment on, on, okay, we've got a brand new group of people. Are they going to um, do things differently? But they have changed little things about what they did in 41 just to kind of see. Um, so I think that's really cool. And it's the thing of the pace. We've got 26 days instead of 39. Like everything is just like super rapid um, people are desperate to play and then it, it feels like, you know, the game is set up for you to go hard if you want to. Um, we're, they're unapologetically brutal as well between the two seasons um, where they're still, um, which they wouldn't have known as well, about taking the flint if they lose the challenge as well. So that they've said we're going to make this really hard, hard on you guys as well. So I'm, I'm enjoying that. So they probably wouldn't have known that they were coming into such a, a, a brutal new season as well. No, I don't think they would have known that up front. Even like the food side of things is just next level. Yeah. I've got a couple of things about the new format before we move into our normal segments. But 
First, breaking the fourth wall with Jeff kind of speaking to camera. Do you guys have strong feelings about this? Don't mind it. It's all right. I, I kind of love it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's awesome. More Jeff, if, more better. I was about to say, if it wasn't Jeff, I don't know if I'd enjoy it as much. Like he 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 takes control and he smashes it out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. it it's not. It's it, it's got the element of being cheesy without being too cheesy. Um, it, it's just, yeah, just enough cheese for me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the right amount of cheese is what yeah. I feel it, it works more in season 42 than it did 41, only because it felt like in 41 you could explain, as Jeff is explaining to the, the contestants, what's going on that you'd pick up. But now, because you know, we've seen these things before and they're telling you, oh, we're trying things a little bit different and they haven't seen it, you kind of need a bit more of a narration um, mm. to kind of go. So I think it's worked all right. It was a bit weird at, at first, but I think I've, I've gotten on board with it. I like it and I particularly like seeing those extra bits of background of like when they call um, like the the doctors in and stuff like that where you then get obviously the outer layer of the cameras to be able to see more and what's going on and getting people to stand over here, you know, whereas, yeah, in the past it was, you know, you just see the doctor and, yeah, I, I love it. Or, or where they had to get the two extra crew members to swim out to get the keys. Yeah. And it's just some bloke with a mohawk. And you're like, who's this bloke? I yeah. want to know this guy's backstory. Yeah. He seems interesting. Yeah. And has he o- applied for a season? And the other bloke was just some dad. Like he just <laughs> had the bigger dad bod and they made him swim out where everyone was just struggling. I'm like, this guy's some challenge beast that we don't know about. <laughs> He's one of the people they record doing the challenge when they show us what the challenge yeah, is. Absolutely. Yeah, this is our fit guy with the mohawk. This is our dad bod. <laughs> I think they know that the people invested in this show at the moment kind of want some of these like behind the scenes stuff. They're they're on board. So I think it works as well. One other thing before you kind of get into the nitty gritty, because I feel like it's this is change rather than an advantage, is the shot in the dark die. So this has kind of changed the fabric of what we, we've seen in Survivor with this new option. Do you how do you feel about the shot in the die and its kind of impacts? Because 41, season 41, I think I played twice, maybe three times over the whole season, and we had it twice in the first two episodes. Um, yeah, well, what are you guys thinking about it? I, I don't know if losing your vote is heavily, is enough of a weight to avoid playing it. Um, and I think we're lucky enough that it is such small tribes because of the split in three that it is, you know, losing that boat is really risky. I don't think the shot in the dark works if they were tribes of eight or nine, because you'd be like, well, whatever, I'll just take a punt and just try to keep myself safe. I, what, what I think will happen in the long term is playing the shot in the dark will end up being perceived as a weak move. And I think it'll be actually a negative on your resume because it shows that you didn't know what was going on and you weren't confident. You didn't have enough relationships and things like that. But at the moment, I'm not so. It's probably my least favorite um, uh, part of the game. See, I, I think it's the opposite. I think if you're, especially in such a small tribe at the bottom, you know that no matter who you write down, that you're still going home because you're it's like you're the only person writing someone else's name down. Maybe you've managed to get another person, so it's going to be four against two. So your vote doesn't count anyway. So you may as well risk your vote to be able to potentially stay in the game. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's smart. Like, meaning when it was when it's been played, they've been played correctly in terms of, of the people doing it. Whether or not I like that or not, um, I suppose it just gives somebody who who's an easy first person out an extra chance to stay in um, and and make and can change the game up. Which 
which is cool in that way. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the shot in the dark rule, um, but it can be played smartly because, yeah, what's the point of me having one vote when I know the, the extras are against me? They're not going to split their votes on that. Um, I'll play the shot in the dark and it's kind of the final Hail Mary. But Yeah, see, I, I don't mind the shot in the dark. I just think there's too many gimmicks at the moment. Like between the shot in the dark, there's the amulet, there's the idols, there's like just so many like, you know, the, the hike up the mountain to the lose your vote, keep your vote, get extra votes. Like there's just so like too many things in it happening at once. I, I agree. And the only other thing I'll say about the shot in the dark is let's say if you did the shot in the dark, it means that next immunity challenge you have to sit out. That would make it a far harder decision for that person to make. Whereas at the moment it's just like, like Beth said, it kind of doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm getting votes anyway. What's the big deal? But if you have to forecast your game and take that risk, I think it'll be a lot harder and hopefully a lot rarer um, because if it's played every tribal, it's going to be you're you're kind of inevitably going to see someone saved by luck, which is not what we like. Well, not what I like in Survivor anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the balance of um, the penalties and the benefits. I don't know if they've got 100 percent right yet. And if we see it being played a lot more often, I wonder how that's going to impact. Especially if multiple people start playing it at the same tribal. I do think that not voting is a pretty big penalty. But again, like there there is this knack to if, well if you know if all the votes are going against you that's almost good gameplay to have that read that you need to do it mm. but i think you're right i don't i think it kind of shows a weakness if you get saved i'm happy that it's one out of six chance if it was any more like likely that you could pull it off i i don't think it works as much and i'd have a, a, a harder time kind of dealing with it if it was a one out of four or something like that i just think that the balance kind of goes off but It'll be interesting to track how we go because, yeah, we've already seen it being played as many times as it did in the whole season in 41. Well, I wasn't sure. If, is that one out of six per per person? So if the person before me plays their shot in the dark, is, have I then got a one in five chance? Yeah. yeah. I asked myself the same thing only because they've got like this the basket and they play yeah. things. Yeah. But my assumption was that it's one out of six per person. Yeah, so if everyone's got the same odds, so if, if like, yeah, if say, for instance, three of us were going up, obviously the, the odds increase for the other, meaning without going too mathematical sort of thing on it. But <laughs> but, but the, then at the same time, you don't know, meaning your odds might be zero because you don't know if the person before you before you has actually pulled it out. Um, I don't mind that there's, when we were saying there's too many advantages and all that, when you covered off a few of them that we'll go into, but at least this one's known by everyone from the start. So everyone knows that that shot in the dark sitting there and it's everyone um, going to tribals got, got that option if they want. So it's, it's there for everyone to know about where you're not just being surpri- surprised and going, well, I didn't even know that was in the game sort of thing. I would like to see more drama around it. It feels a bit weak when Jeff just reads it out. I, I want to see them actually, not do a spinning wheel or something, but even roll a big dice or something like that. So we've got a little bit of suspense build up. I think would be really cool. So like a full randomized thing, because when it's just a piece of paper, I don't know, it falls yeah, a bit flat for me. Imagine that. Like the dice would be super cool. It's like choose a number. It's like I choose four. So you yeah. get to choose your number, and then then, the then you roll this dice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So Jacob wants longer things at tribal. That's, that's <laughs> unheard of. <laughs> as long as it adds value. All right. Well. I think that's a quick, good summary of some of the, the changes are going and we'll be touching on everything, you know, as the season goes on. But I think that brings us nearly into our first challenge breakdown of the season. Welcome to your final 
immunity challenge. All right, this season I'm going to be taking over Gav's challenge breakdown. I guess it's going to be called Jacob's challenge breakdown. So it's still Gav's. It's still it. Gav's challenge breakdown. <laughs> <It's> still, <laughs> Gav's, Gav's challenge breakdown that presented by Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Gav. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we, we've already touched on the challenges a little bit, and we've also touched on the differences between Australian and American Survivor. But I, I do have to mention it again because it's a big part for me. The difference here. Um, one, I've really, really enjoyed these challenges. I think they have just been so balanced. It's not even funny. You know, rarely has there been a challenge where it's like, oh, this person is definitely going to win that or these three people are definitely going to win that or whatever. Um, every challenge, at least the ones I can think of, has some sort of great equalizer, i.e. the puzzle, um, or they're just different. You know, like at the start, we had a, a the running to locations challenge and it was just climbing a net and then doing something else. And they obviously had a bit of spice sprinkled in there with the extra, um, you know, uh, twists and whatnot. Um, but then even when they um, first come back to their camps and they have to do the triangles challenge to get their food. I love that. I thought that's super cool. Just an intellectual challenge. You know, there's a couple of people that stood up there, but it was just this team environment where they all had to work towards to get this um, uh, the, this answer right. And it was really good to see them all get it right because obviously it helps bind that team. That sort of stuff to me is is really interesting and I like seeing the social dynamics of that versus just, you know, they obviously get the other choice to carry the bucket of water back and forth and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, we've seen a blindfolded challenge, which has been great, lots of puzzles, uh, lots of swimming, which doesn't – it didn't click to me when watching Australian Survivor, but now watching uh, um, US Survivor, I'm like, they're just swimming all the time. Like, everything is in the ocean. So, And, um, obviously, we saw that kind of rear its ugly head when we had that wave thrashing um, challenge where they had to call it because it was kind of just getting intense, which kind of um, brings us to the the elephant or the rhinoceros or whatever the <laughs> hell you want to call him in the room, um, Jonathan. But, oh, my goodness, um, if I didn't give him challenge beast of the week, I don't know, you know, what I'd be doing in this role. But he's unbelievable. I Like, he's, he's such an imposing man. I'd like, I... Sounds kind of weird, but I can't stop staring at him. It's, like, it's kind of ridiculous. What a dude. Um, and just kind of seems really nice and genuine and stuff. And I'm sure we'll talk about him more in this um, um, in this pod as well. But he's, he's just a beast. And, you know, could you imagine if they didn't have balanced challenges in US Survivor? You know, this guy would just clean up. He's, you know, he's, he's crazy. I think the one annoying part about having a, a player like Jonathan in, though, is that there's a lot of strong players. There's a lot of physical threats in this game, um, a lot of strong women, a lot of strong guys, and they're just being totally overshadowed by this one beast. Um, I also don't think it's fair how a lot of the teams are branding him as carrying a, a tribe because I, I can't remember exactly which challenge it was, but they were saying, oh, you know, Jonathan did everything. And I'm, and I'm like, no, no, he didn't. That even wasn't even a strength challenge. It was a... Um, Oh, what was it? The, the team just worked together better. It was the one where they were going down the line. Can't remember. Crappy challenge breakdown from that for that reason. <laughs> but yeah, he's kind of got this huge target on his back now, which is kind of justified, but in other moments not justified. And they're just sort of um, kind of a witch hunt on him at the moment. But it's been interesting to watch such a beast perform in these challenges because he's killing it at the moment. But, but he knows he's not good at puzzles. Like, and but he also gives about. 7,000% in those challenges because literally he like drags everyone out of the water via the ladder and then he just like crashes on the grass and they, the rest of the team go and do the puzzle yeah. and he just sits back and watches and doesn't even offer any 
puzzle advice. Plenty of strengths is gassed by that point. Oh, 100% guess, yeah. he is, yeah. So I, I remember touching on it in, in our last one of um, our Australian Survivor where we were talking about Mark and we were saying about his strategy of um, laying low in the challenges so he didn't present. And I said, oh, there's this dude from the US Survivor who's totally not having that same style yeah. of gameplay. <laughs> now you know what I'm talking about as well where he, he's, he's yeah, not at all hiding. Well, meaning he can't hide anyway because of how, how he looks physically, but he's not hiding that he's very, very good at these challenges as well. So, yeah, he's, pu- he's putting himself out there, which – like I'd love for someone like that to get to the to the final, but you just kind of it's just a, a ticking time bomb sort of when they're gonna just go, Well, we're not gonna beat him. He's a nice dirty, smashes every challenge. We we've got to get rid of him. So I hope he has some good gameplay in terms of or some good luck come his way with advantages and knows how to use them rather than just being this dominant force. So we'll wait and see. It'll be interesting, though, to see because he could be terrible at some of those, you know, endurance-style challenges or balancing challenges and things like that. But what, um, what I really wanted to say was that I think some of the it, – it's interesting to compare him with Mark and just because they're both big physical players, but I think their demeanours are just totally different. Like Mark has, I don't know, just that face on him that, you know, makes you feel small, I think, whereas um, Jonathan, I think he's just like – super caring and he just seems like so just like breezy hippie-ish kind of like he just doesn't as much as he's huge he, he's just demeanor doesn't seem as intimidating yeah I mean I had one word basically in my notes for the um Gav's challenge breakdown presented by Jacob sponsored by Gav and <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just Jonathan like that was the most impressive like single person effort on a team challenge I think we've ever seen in 42 seasons. And I think it's a really good pick up in terms of his demeanor and the comparison because I'm very curious about there's already this talk about I need my shields to get to the end. People think that they're physically um, locked in in this season and and I think for a good reason there's a few people who are probably going to do quite well in challenges and we saw that in the Australian one that, you know, Josh and Mark, they both wanted to hold, keep each other, go through I think there's this perception that maybe they need Jonathan to go through um, and maybe his, his, his social game kind of helped him in that first one to, to see the individual vote because I was I, you're sitting at home and going, the first time he loses, he's gone. Um, but, you know, his social game almost like held him in good stead. But um, overall, I like having two challenges in an episode, but the single ones have banged out so far. The blindfold was great. And you're right, there was one challenge where, I, don't, I can't remember either, Jacob, but um, whether it was <laughs> untying knots or something. I, I think yeah, that, there was knots. Yeah, yeah. But I think yeah. they like string, like, you know, they had to go up and around, you know, like a big log to un- like with keys around string or oh, something yeah, they like were, that. Yeah. It was the one that danced over the ropes yes. where they untangle it because it's attached That's to them. It. And then at the end, I think they had to do a slingshot as well. So it was like by no means a physical challenge. Nah. It, was, it was a strategic team game challenge and they all left it going, oh, the Titan did it. That, <laughs> yeah. that, that annoyed me. <laughs> But um, in the space of two episodes, he's just kind of gone, okay, this this guy is like legitimately the one of the biggest physical threats we've seen. But they're not gonna they're not all gonna be pure brute strength, and he can't will his team over the line and throw them on the Z. <laughs> it's just him, like so. I wonder if some of that like advantage is blunted when it's a little bit more um, endurance or something like that. But yeah. I actually forgot to mention one thing in the challenge breakdown is our old mate with the dislocation, Daniel. Yeah. 
He um that that was kind of beast mode. Like I didn't expect that out of a guy that looks like that, but he he kind of killed it and he he was paddling and and doing whatever else and he kind of just dealt with it. It was really impressive to see. What cracked me up about Daniel though was I think it was in around episode three, just how much he keeps losing everything. Like yeah. they did this whole <laughs> montage of you know how he loses weird. his shoes and he loses his hat and like he loses all these things. The next minute <laughs> loses he's an idol. Yeah, then, he's, <laughs> then he loses his idol. Like. <laughs> And it was it was a very funny moment because it was looked like it was so innocent as well that it was just him. <laughs> like it wasn't gameplay. It wasn't a Sam stealing an idol. It was I legitimately <laughs> just lost place of where I put it. Sorry, man. He, he, lost, his underpants. he lost a yeah. bit of paper in his jocks. Like yeah. <laughs> surely you could feel if there was a bit of paper rubbing against you. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. That was good. I, with um with that injury as well, it was interesting. And you touch on the triangle um challenge when they went back. I did like Mike um recognizing that there was the option for the strength or or the physical challenge where you're going back and forth with the water, and he's gone. Well, this dude's got a bunk shoulder. I'm going to burn myself out doing it um and being the only one doing it. So I'll say let's do the triangles one because like yeah I could do it, but he goes no one else is going to help me, and I'm just going to burn myself out just for the like for the um, tribe. So. I thought that was clever to recognize that. A hundred percent. And I'm hoping we pencil in a slot to talk about Mike because I think he's fascinating and not at all what I expected. Yeah. The, the one thing was interesting from that um, was it called like sweat versus savvy. I think it was in terms of choosing to carry the water or do the triangles in 41. Um, you could have two people doing the water and only mm. guess on the triangles. And this time it was like no one person on the water and you get two guesses at the triangles and then we saw in um, 41, both teams go sweat. And then this one, both teams went savvy. Um, so it was mm. just that little wrinkle kind of really changed the, the thought process around which one you'd go. Now, it's it's not just idol watch anymore because there's a lot of things going on. It's nice to introduce the idol slash advantage watch. <laughs> this is indeed a hidden immunity idol. Any votes cast for poverty will not count. Yeah, there's and there, there is a lot to, to cover off as well, and we've we've gone over um, the shot in the dark that advantage. Um, we've got the beware advantage, which is back again um, without explaining it properly. That you've got, um, yeah, it, you've got to wait. You get told uh, beware um, before you actually open the idol that you, and then you find out you've without a vote until all three idols are found and that and that the phrases are, are read. Um, at the challenge so that's back and we'll, we'll go into that in a little bit as well but we started off in the first challenge as well where the um, three members were presented with an opportunity to get an advantage of the game and we found out that that's going to be the amulet um, advantage which is going to be interesting to see how this one plays out so effectively it in that trio gets an extra vote um, if only two of the customers remained in the game, um, it upgrades to a stealer vote. And then if it's only one of those castaways left, then it becomes a full idol. I'm interested in seeing how that one officially plays out. This advantage watch is pretty much going to be more now all about, um, all about Dre as well, or Drea, because she seems to find her way on, on being part on, of all of him at the moment. So she, right now her, um, her pockets are very full. With what we've got, she's she's got the beware advantage, and which is now the idol. She's got the amulet, and I think she's got a steal a vote. Um, and extra vote. Extra vote. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know whether you guys have got anything to add at the moment in terms of what advantages we've had, or whether you like what we're what else we're seeing. 
My, my only um, question so far is, how did the trio that got the amulet get away with all the blood? <laughs> literally, <laughs> was, yeah. come, where did all the blood come from? And we heard nothing again because I saw them doing it. I'm like, what are you guys doing? This is not realistic. <laughs> Why are you spreading blood all over yourselves? I, I, I was literally about to say the exact same thing that it's like fair enough, like all the dirt and stuff. But like when he went back and like, where's your blood coming from? There's no blood source. So like, it's, <laughs> like there's no like... Yeah. explaining where it all came from. Goes back to camp and has to cut himself to like try <laughs> yeah. to prove it away or something. <laughs> but that was really funny. I thought the same thing. I'm like, they're just there to kind of, uh, you know, coax you into using the blood. You don't need the blood. Um, I like the amulet one because it, it has this dynamic as it gets more powerful, the less of the three are in there. So, you know, they've already started having conversations about what the way is forward. Um, whether you trust your game with this, you know, other people because you're in a de facto alliance almost because you're making decisions about how to play your extrovert or potential stealer vote as you go. Do you kind of band together as a two? Do you kind of like want to get rid of someone early or kind of go as a three moving forward? I think it's going to be hard for them to get all on the same page for, for some yeah. stuff. So I reckon it's going to turn at some point. Um, but I, I thought that was a great addition. Yeah, and I think, like, surely it's just going to see how the team dynamic evolves. Like, I think if two are really close and the other one's on the out, they'll just be like, well, let's just get rid of them because this just makes us stronger. So I, I think they're not going to have the incentive to keep the other people because there's so much incentive to get rid of them still. So, yeah, I, I think it will be a downfall for somebody. Yeah, We've definitely got a lot of layers this season. Definitely. So, and then, yeah, so... I like the beware advantage and this is a new thing that we saw last season as well. So we've got it again and we had um, so Marianne and Mike found theirs pretty early. And it's it's funny because Mike had a plan on, on how what he wanted to do with this. Um, he, he was adamant he wasn't going to say the catchphrase. And it's funny because you see Marianne with her um, her one, each, each one just kind of, <laughs> you look like a fool to everyone else who know, doesn't have any idea about this beware advantage just with any crazy catchphrase. And she's going again each time, kind of just desperately hoping that someone says their one and it's just silence. And then and then you see, I, th- I think you touched on it, Beth, that you wanted to talk about Mike's strategy with it. And I think you're going to go into it a bit later as well. But it was, he, I, I liked his plan, but then I think it got all too much where he recognized that I'm without a vote and and it's in my best interest now to, to say the catchphrase once. Andrea said hers as well. I, I think you also get caught up in the moment. And I was actually really worried because I thought that Marianne just kept talking and talking and it looked like he wanted to say something and then, you know, she just kept going and going and Mike's just like, I, I, th- I actually thought she was going to talk so much and psych him out of it and he then would have gone back to his original strategy instead of, yeah, being swept in the moment. And, you know, there's obviously benefits of saying it as well because he gets his vote back, especially when you're in this, you know, crunch time with the merge. Um, your vote's very important. What I thought was interesting, when they read the Beware thing, I swear it says you must read this phrase at the next challenge. And they read it multiple times and it said that. And it, the, the word said must. And then he said, oh, I'm, I'm just not going to read it and I'm going to wait. Because there is a distinct advantage in just waiting for someone else to do it so you don't look like a fool five times in a row like Marianne did. So I thought that was interesting that that was the wording they chose. And then if it is that wording, how are they going to enforce it? Obviously, it's not a big deal because he was not reading it out. But I, I thought I heard it the first time. And then when another person found that it, it definitely says you must read this at the next challenge. So I thought that was a bit strange. 
I would like to think, though, that if that was the case, that the producers, like in one of his, you know, one-on-ones would actually say, look, no, no, this is what you have to do. Like mm. I don't think, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. But mm. um, what I did want to mention was I find it so funny that the people who get these phrases, how much it just like suits their little personalities and can pull it off. Like so Marianne talking about, you know, rabbit, totally fine. Um, you know, Nazir last season, I can't remember what his phrase was, but like again it was something that's like, oh, I feel like that's what he would say and uh, Xavier, again, it's just like, oh, he's a loopy guy. Like this, you know, of course he's saying, you know, seeing butterflies, you know, like I feel like the people who get them can, they can kind of get away with can it. Can get away with it. Whereas, you, yeah, like I feel like some other people just couldn't. Yeah. I think it's fun that they did it again because I don't know if you can kind of do this but wear advantage on the next season because everyone's going to know what's going on and what the penalty is. They're going to have to shake it up in some way. I do I think this interesting strategy of not saying it and waiting for other people is, is smart, but also I wonder, like, if two people have the same thought, you know, we're never going to get it. And because, you know, you've got an idols on every tribe on all three and three people potentially not voting, like, there's motivation that the game really wants to, you need to kind of push it forward. So it was interesting once Marianne said it. And I, if she, she could say it at every tribal and I think everyone would, we're about an eyelid basically, <laughs> but she's been another really interesting and fun one to watch so far. But I think, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I like, you know, in this season, you know, there's a risk attached, but everyone wants to play it. No one's kind of thinking of, of, of leaving it down there. And I know Xander, we saw last time not having a vote for like all of these tribal councils, but most people got away with it pretty, pretty good apart from kind of one uh, standoff challenge of a tribal council that we'll get to in terms of rocks. But I like the beware advantage. And now the only thing is that if people are switched on and it feels like most people are, bar a couple, everyone knows who's got these three idols now, unless you're, first of all, everyone's telling people before (laughs) in their tribe before they were saying it. But now that we've seen all three people saying these distinctive phrases that people have switched on to, everyone's going to know exactly who's got these idols. It's a very open season. Like I feel like you there's no, there's no secrets at the moment. Like I feel like everyone knows what everyone's got um, except Drea. I don't know if everyone knows all Drea's stuff. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to Drea. The other advantage, I guess, maybe in terms of people should know what's going on after it happens once and then everyone keeps telling each other is obviously this prisoner's dilemma trip where they walk up to the summit mm. and they go, you have to choose whether you protect or um, risk your vote. It feels like the default one is to risk it. But it's interesting now they say, you know, how well have you learned this person while you're going on the walk in terms of what they're going to do and how you're going to do it. And in my mind, it makes it easier if you know what you're going to do and you can kind of tell them. But in my mind, I was, I was thinking, even if you, you're worried about your vote, I feel like the always the gamble is to risk it because especially when you have three people there, if you don't risk it, you're giving other people to advantage. I'd rather not have a vote for a, a one tribal council if I'm trusting my game than giving, you know, votes to other people that, you know, come could come back to hurt you later in the game. I think we might be done with that thing now if it merged, but have you liked that? I, I agree with you, Simo. I have thought every now and then it's like, oh, well, yeah, you're just giving other people an advantage. But I did find it hilarious in one of the episodes. I can't remember who it was. I think it was like Chanel was um, walking up there and she's like, oh, I can't risk my vote. Because I guess the people that are going, they know that one of them is going to travel that night. So their vote is yeah. very important that night. And they're missing out on the strategy talk by being on this hike. 
And, you know, she's like, yeah, I can't risk my vote. I can't um, do it. And so the other guy's like, sweet, I'll risk it. Oh, um, and then she's like, yeah, I'm not playing it safe. I'm going to risk it. And it's just like, you literally just said that there is no way you would do that. She, she totally screwed him on that one. She did. That was really strange. I, I agree with you though, Simo. I think it's going to um, get old fast. I think everyone's going to figure out, especially if you're thinking about the long game. In the short game, you're like, sweet, all I've done is given an extra vote to someone on another tribe. They're just going to use it before merge or something. But if they're really thinking long-term, these are really dangerous people they're putting into the game for the sake of just um, you know one vote. And that's, I think, what this new format is probably going to battle with the most. It's that waiting. You know, What is the disadvantage versus the advantage of all of these things? And Look, I don't want to see them mix it up every two seasons, but they are going to have to make some changes. One, because the surprise factor is gone, and two, because some of them might be a little bit weak. But even the um, at that merge point where they have the hourglass to, you know, turn back time, that it's, for both times it's been a no-brainer to do it purely mm. on the basis that the person doing it is not safe, missing out on things, and then they become safe if they turn like break the thing whereas if they did it that that person was safe no matter what they did that's a completely different decision because that goes then to like who are their loyalties and who do they want to see on the chopping block and whatnot but when you've missed out on two days of gameplay and you're not safe and you want to be safe it's a no-brainer yeah i agree i thought that one was a no-brainer the difference this season compared to last season, if I'm not wrong, the winning tribe got to choose if they'd send one of their own there. Mm. And yep. it felt like, it, I know it's it's hard, maybe Applebee's is this amazing thing that we're not privy to in Australia. <laughs> but I was like, why isn't someone going? Not a, They've just told you that it's a game-changing advantage and you no one wants to go. And not only they sit there and um, Tori goes, I don't trust Rock Soy. So let's, and then they send him. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, he gets power in the game. He's a shelter fire beast like guy. He's not going to bother him. And they've just kind of thrown him there. I, I was really confused about that decision. I just love, like, he's a stay home dad. And as someone who has been a stay home mum more of late, like, I would love just two days on my own on an <laughs> island. So, like, <laughs> Like, that's just bliss. It's quiet. You can do things at your own pace. You don't have, you know, your tribe mates annoying you when you, the fire's going out and they're, you know, just, you know, chatting and you're like, dude, like, we need wood. <laughs> he definitely took full advantage of it as well, which was really <laughs> nice to see. Like, he was just soaking up the views. Like, he, he actually had a great time and then he came away with, like, the no-brainer decision, which worked heavily in his favour. And I don't think people can, like – a lot of the time when you've got these big decisions to make, they can have like um, then ramifications as well. Whereas meaning anyone in his position was going to make the same call. So I don't think anyone could be angry with him for making that call as well. Yeah. Well, the only person angry was Tori. And when she was explaining it, I think everyone else was going, nah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. silly for thinking that. So yep. uh, you're right. Yeah, I was doing him a favor. It's like you guys are like known enemies. Like there is no way that was your motive. <laughs> She's nuts. Uh, that's great. Um, I think that kind of covers all of the advantages. I'm not. There's going to be littered throughout this season. We're going to be talking about it all. But I think uh, for this kind of recap uh, episode, we're going to hit any other kind of points or things that have stood out for you over the course of the course of the six episodes. People you want to talk about, 
And then we're going to kind of rapid fire through everyone who's gone home and, and some of the interesting things that we saw at tribal councils. But, um, yeah, does anyone want to kind of start off for things that we've seen over these first six steps? Yeah, I'd just like to start with the opening of episode one. How many people are wearing jeans or suits or just like the most inappropriate survivor wear? Like, do they not know that they're on the show and this is what they're doing? I think that's part of part of it now where they're always doing they've been doing it for 42 seasons. They're not going in their active gear to, to the first one. Like they're going with whatever they're wearing, meaning you're you're always going to have the business guy rock up in his suit sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's And it's part of it what I love, like, and whether that's what they're told and how I, I still enjoy that they're going there with the the fake belief that they don't know what they're getting into sort yeah. of thing. But it, it is I, – I, th- that gimmick I still like. I know what you're <laughs> – I do know what you're saying, Beth, but, I yeah, I think it's still put on that way. I'd always think of the um, the office episode where Michael goes into the woods and he's like, I've crafted a bandana out of my pants. So I see a suit as a very valuable <laughs> asset when you're in the woods. <laughs> are, you, are you going to eat the mushrooms then? Like one- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tape, tape your pants back together when it gets yeah. cold. Yeah, that's right. So we touched on it, but the, the things that was the telling everyone of the advantage just seems like crazy when – Marianne like comes back from tribal cancer. She's like, we have five votes now, like all of us. Like, it's just, it's, it blows me away that, you know, people aren't like the beware advantage. I think it's interesting because if you don't have a vote, you need to kind of trust people to help you out. So maybe there's an advantage of kind of talking to it. And I know that some people, if you've gone to this prisoner's dilemma thing, they know that you've either not got a vote or got a vote. So then maybe there is this thing about honesty that's going to help you in this game a little bit more than others. The way people are so rapid fire into telling everyone about every detail, I think it's going to come back to, to haunt people, but we'll see how we go. That's definitely surprising. You know, you don't come to expect it in after 20 something years of the same show going on. People should know that keeping their cards close to their chest is a massive advantage. So it's, it's been very odd. Yeah, I guess one of the the highlights for me was the interesting dynamic between we saw Tori and Roxroy when he kind of came back. And I think you have to be pretty bold to kind of straight out ask someone, tell me every detail of the advantage. But then you almost have to be even bolder to just like not even lie, just like straight out saying, I'm not telling you because I don't trust you. (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. (laughs) It was really fun. Uh, I want to talk about Mike. Talk yeah, about talk about judging a book by its cover. I was just like, yeah, classic old fireman from Brooklyn or Hoboken or wherever he's from. And he's just like the sweetest guy. And he seems like he's super intelligent as well and just reading the game really well. We, talk, we talked briefly about that decision to try and encourage the puzzle because he didn't want to burden himself um, with the physical aspect. I think he's awesome. I've been really, really impressed by him and I hope he goes far. And he's just you know, one of those characters that makes you second guess your first impressions, which which I really like. And same thing with um, Rhino Man. Jonathan. Um, Jonathan, you know, like <laughs> you sort of, I think we all like to think we don't have any prejudice or preconceived ideas of people when we see them. But I see that and I'm like, I do, man. Like, you know, I, I absolutely judged Mike and I think he's just a really cool guy and he's he's playing the game so well so far. So he, I want to do, see him do really well. He's just very grounded. Yeah. Like, he's so yeah. down to earth, mm. yeah. And he's just building great relationships with everyone. He's, he's 
freaking jacked for however old he is. Although he might be one of those guys that looks 60, but he's actually 40. <laughs> 58. 58. Oh, there yeah. you go. All right. I just about called it. Um, yeah, but I, I love him. I don't know. What do you guys think about him? I, like at the start, I was yeah. like, are you a bit of a enough? Because when he was telling Daniel and giving him the stuff, I'm like, where is this going? And I didn't know if he was trusting the wrong people, but I think he's kind of, I'm interested to see if he's almost going to be too trusting or genuine and it's going to blow up because I was thinking that he was going to be a bit more ruthless. And as you said, judge a book by his cover, it seems to be a bit more, more open. This whole Jonathan, Mike, buddy, buddy thing was really fun, but I'm like, oh, guys, this is too cute for survival. There's been a lot of too cute things, even when I think it was Jackson who like went home um, because he was many thing, and then like the crying from Marianne and other people. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this is too much emotion. Like you guys are going to have to play this game. I'm, I'm re- I think there's five or six people that I really, really enjoy, and Mike's definitely in that list. Well, it's like people come to Survivor to win a million dollars. People come to Survivor to experience it because they've grown up watching it. Mike has come to Survivor to get some more brothers and sisters. Like- <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. He's said so many times, I'm going to catch up with these people for the rest of my life. Yeah, they're, they're, fam- <laughs> they're my family. Like- <laughs> Any other kind of fun people you want to talk about? I know this is the season, I don't know if it's because you do the podcast, but I've learned the names quicker than I usually do because I think there's a lot of people that are, are quite interesting and fun. Any, any other people that kind of stand out? Marianne is obviously a nutcase and just I I, I love that it's Marianne <laughs> <laughs> to chop the wood. Man, that, that made me laugh so hard. That was actually freaking classic. She nailed that delivery. Um oh my god, I'd hate to spend a week with her on an island. It, it's just all too much, but I really feel for her because she's like going through this this arc in her life where she's accepting who she is, and if people don't like it, that's fine. But Survivor's going to weed that out, you know, and people are going to go, I don't want to spend time with her because of the way you are. So it's kind of this really, I don't know, it's a little bit icky because I want her to be who she is, but who she is is actually kind of annoying. So I get why people wouldn't want to spend too much time with her. Um, She's a lot of fun to watch, but gee, I I feel for anyone who has to, you know, spend an extended amount of time with her. And in in touching on that, in what you've um, we mentioned as well before with Jonathan, I thought he was really self-aware in terms of how he came across to her and how like aware of his behavior there was a moment where um i think it was to do with when he was um chopping and she said oh you almost hit my foot or whatever he was aware on how he reacted because he's this big dude anyway and he he doesn't want to be like roughing waters or starting arguments just for the sake of it or getting beat so it was nice that he was very self-aware of this big dude on how he came across or cracked the shits or anything like that so I thought I thought that was a good moment as well. What was crazy was that she walked into his chopping space and 100%. then turned it around on him and he was just like, all right, I just have to like swallow this because she's yeah. not the person you can start this type of or have this type of, you know, and he tried <laughs> yeah. to say, you walked into my space and she's like, this is all my space. Yeah. He handled that so well, I thought. He did. He did. So well. But like I am... Um, like uh, similar to Jacob, like, I, and I think she's just got this beautiful, positive outlook on life. And I think that's just such a beautiful and rare quality in people. Um, but I also hope she finds love. Like I hope from being on TV, there's going to be some guy who's just as optimistic just as and he's just like, you know what, you're the girl for me. And I just hope she can be happy. 
yeah, we love a good survivor love story. So you never know. I'm enjoying getting to know, yeah, the other contestants as well. I think Omar is another interesting one that's been really good to watch as well. Um, he's he's kind of just embracing the the new things that he's doing. Um, <laughs> and I, I enjoyed the early days of seeing the friendship between like Omar and Jonathan. Like it's, yeah, he's been another one I've, I've kind of taken to and watching as well. Omar's pulling strings though. He's, yeah. he's doing a really good job navigating all the relationships and yeah. trying to swing it his way. Um, he's being pretty bold about it. So we'll see if he can continue that or not. But he was literally just going to both camps and trying to convince them of, you know, uh, to, to do, I can't remember which vote it was, but I remember thinking that's big gameplay from Omar. Yeah, my my favorite bit about Omar is you know he was telling um, I think it was Mike his story about how he's um you know a virgin and all power to him good for him but my funniest thing is he's just tell this story about you know something very personal to him and then Mike like that's great uh, well nice to meet you man like like <laughs> <laughs> this is me this is my story about um, my virginity. Uh, by the way, my name's Omar. <laughs> like, it's just so funny that like we're getting all this stuff and people leading with their like their stories and their emotions. <laughs> they haven't even met each other properly. <laughs> well, I think um like people who have something that's just so important to them, like that's what they say. It's that whole classic thing of um it's like oh you know you walk into a bar and I'm um and there was a vegan someone who does CrossFit, I can't remember what the third one is. And the reason I know this is because they told me as soon as I met them. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi. With the, 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 he didn't take too long to change his mind to eat the fish, which I think you can, you can hold your principles and be, you know, um, doing the right thing at home and eat fish on Survivor. That's fine. Um, but it was, it was funny that that happened so quickly. And was he eating the chicken wings from um, the restaurant? Um, Applebee's. Applebee's yeah. yeah, I think I think it was him <laughs> eating the chicken and he's, you know, just like fully devouring it. He's like, mm, this is juicy chicken. He's like, <laughs> he, as if he's been eating chicken his whole life. <laughs> he's stood into it by that point. I do like that he's enjoyed it though, because they're like, how's the fish? He's like, it's damn good. <laughs> 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 he loved it. Sweet. What, what I'm going to do is I'm going to list out the six people that have gone and then we can go back and hit on any of them if we think it's worthwhile. Otherwise, um, we can kind of make do. But first, we had Zach, Hardly New Ye, Maya, Jenny, Swati, Daniel with the gimp um, shoulder, and then Lydia, the first one, when we get to what was kind of merged but not really, yes, merge. Ones that kind of stand out that you want to talk, there's one, the, the Jenny vote's the most interesting, but um, for Zach and Maya, they both played their shot in the dark. Anything else to kind of talk about them or...? Yeah. Um, we haven't touched on it really in, in, with Jackson as well. Like, was there any, yeah. any thoughts about, like, obviously the, there was the story about who Jackson is and, and has become, which was a, a great getting to know you kind of story. And then um, the overreaction by Miriam when you went. But <laughs> it, the, it, it's sort of a weird one because, it, and we've touched on it with, um, like, how important and what it means for people to get onto the game of Survivor and play Survivor and whether they've brushed over, whether he's just been a bit untruthful through the process and he's got to the final stage and that's when it's come out and it's become too much of a risk for the um, for them. And he took it really well. Um, it was – there was um, – a mo- that moment when he was talking to Jeff was still a really good moment. Um, there was no – wasn't too upset, just real appreciative of the experience. But then I can't help but feel 
there's another there's somebody that's missed out because of that as well. So and we, the audience, have then suffered from a potential other player that could have been there rather than having and it, it, like meaning medevacs are no good for anyone, but um, one that could have been avoided. Um, yeah, I, I would have I would have liked to just a, another player there, and that's nothing against yeah Jackson in this game. And what was interesting about it is that they still did a vote that night. Like back in the day when someone was medevaced, it meant tribal was off that night because they've met the the quota of someone leaving, but they still voted someone out that night. So they've done it in Australia as well, where they have still gone on with the vote. Sometimes it's, it's, they've done it both ways before. I think it's not a clear cut. We're not going to tribal that night because of a medevac, I think. Mm. Whereas if your survivor wasn't fast paced enough, yeah, we would have made it even faster. Yeah, just cut yeah. out by another I, two days. I did really like Jackson though. It's a shame we didn't get to see him play more. I think he would have been a really cool player. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably why they gave him the credit of a you know pretty um, you know soft exit. Um, it's not in their best interest to to rip him a new one for 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 lying, which it seemed. I mean, he had a pretty good excuse and whatnot, but yeah, shame we didn't get to see him play more because I liked him. I reckon, yeah. Meaning, there's there's other players that if he was a dick about it, they would have come down hard on him for for lying through the process to get where he was. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's a shame that we we've basically lost a, a person and a number and the kind of flow and effect, especially when you've got three tribal like three tribes at the start, like they're down one, and then if they lose, you know, one like they're down two pretty quickly. Um, it's a shame that. That happened. I can see his mindset. He's like, you know, but I'm going to lie. And by the time I get there, everything's going to be okay. And then obviously um, it doesn't really happen that way, but um, it is a shame. And, and it was actually fa- really quite fascinating hearing him talk about it because he was saying that with his wife, he was, you know, they had this plan of how to cut out the medication that he needed to cut out in time so obviously you know another week might have done it for him like it's so hard to know but um, you know it it sounded um pretty extreme yeah i think (laughs) very first tribal council of this season and zach gets voted out and he goes to camera first ever unanimous vote of all time um in the fact that because he didn't vote it was like five zero there was no one Mm. interesting and then we saw the second unanimous vote of all time in 42 seasons happened a week after. Um, but then the big one I think is worth talking about mostly is the Jenny vote. Um, it's interesting on a tribe of six that two people didn't have their vote and Chanel lost it at the the island and then obviously Mike had the beware advantage. So you've effectively got four people, two people get voted for, and then you've got this situation where it's high and Daniel, um, the only ones left to kind of convince how did you feel? Because this was a huge season highlight um, early on for me in terms of their conversations and the, the the premise of whether you should go to rocks or not. How did you vibe the trend, the almost the conversations as they were going with High and Daniel? Honestly, Daniel screwed himself. Like he yep. by saying, "I I don't want to draw rocks." That sentence alone gives High all the "I'm willing to do it," so you know you can get him to change because he yep. just does not want to do it. So that was the most stupid thing you could have done he uh, as soon as he said that he had no chance of convincing high to vote um anyone but jenny yeah i think daniel got out lawyered i think he was <laughs> he's a lawyer by high and then mm. i think not only you have to have that the resolve and the strength to kind of say i'm not budging i'm willing to go to rocks um going to rocks that early 
um, I think is a real, like not something I'd be willing to do. You can convince me later in the season whether it could be, a, you know, the only path forward. But um, for him to kind of hold strong high and then almost immediately Daniel just goes chaos throwing Chanel under the bus and how do I get out of this kind of way when he is not in, of any trouble going home unless they go to rocks there. Um, it was a real interesting path for someone who felt like he was a little bit smarter in the first couple of episodes and then just blew up his game. Yeah, I think it would have been quite interesting to see what would have happened if Daniel didn't start that way because, you know, no, no one I think at this point in the game would want to go to rocks. So, and, and we actually saw High vote at Lydia a couple of episodes later. So obviously, yes, there was a loyalty there, but, you know, his own game is worth more than his alliance with her. So I think, you know, it would have got to a point where he probably would have flipped purely to save his own game, but he knew he didn't have to. Yeah, and we saw that if I'm playing Survivor, I think the easiest votes is when you lose a challenge and you get back to um, the beach and one person goes, I know I'm on the chopping block, but this is what I want to do. I want to talk to you. And then the other person goes, I know I'm the other person on the chopping block. Please save me. And then just... The lines are drawn and there was Chanel and Daniel both saying, we know we're the two people, please don't vote for me. And it's like, this is perfect because I'm not going home. And (laughs) we saw everyone kind of pick Chanel over Daniel. And then there was the first whole tribe vote after merge was Lydia. So I know we had thoughts on Omar on how he kind of navigated that. That was an interesting one given at the start. He's like, I don't have a vote. I don't want (laughs) to, don't want to, you know, be a part (laughs) of this. But then he's like, hang on a second they're targeting a, like a red tribe. And I know we, we've seen in Australian Survivor, I don't think the tribes mattered as much, but now, at least from Omar, he's like, I don't want a red to go home, the first vote. So maybe there is this green, blue, red kind of thing still going on. How did you vibe the Lydia vote? Who was it that they were targeting before he shifted to Lydia? I can't remember. So I think they were going after either Jonathan or Marianne and they were yeah, sure. his tribe. So I think he was like, I don't like this. He navigated it beautifully and leveraged all those relationships that he's built. It was it was really good. I think you're right that he sort of had that ability to go, well, I don't have a vote. So, you know, he he's almost made it seem like he didn't have a vested interest in the vote and sort of deflected any um, attention that he might get for being a game player in that way. Um, we'll see if that holds up or not. I don't know because it was pretty brazen gameplay. Like if anyone sort of took two seconds to look at it, they go, oh, he pulled the strings on this one. He was the puppeteer. Was he safe from that vote or was he on the, could have been on the chopping block? No, he was safe. Okay, yeah. So so he's got, it's not, because sometimes when you see people lead a big strategy move like that, their name gets put on the chopping block for playing too hard. I was able to play that risk-free knowing that he couldn't um, have that turned on him, but he seemed to do it very well. Mm. Yeah, it felt, it rocketed us way into this modern survivor thing that we didn't see, I think, in Blover's Water because he has this conversation with Lydia going, oh, who do you reckon? Uh, I'm happy to go to vote whatever, but I've heard, you know, Jonathan or Marianne, and then he just takes that information straight away to go there and say, she's gunning for you, we need to get at her. Um, it was just like, here's the the modern kind of way to play in terms of the arsenal of, of knowledge is power. And you're right, Beth, because he didn't have, um, he had the protection, um, I think it was easy for him to kind of really push that. How were some of those other scenes, though, when all this strategy talk was going on and 
there was that um, group that we thought was going to be this majority alliance. <laughs> and then I can't remember who it was. Was, it was like Chanel, Chanel would walk up and they're like, <laughs> well, we're going to go fishing now and just disperse. And it not only happened once. But it happened a second time and they're like, all right, keep talking. She's coming. So they sort of keep talking and then she's like, hi. And they're like, hey, I'm going to go fishing. Like- <laughs> <laughs> that was gold. I love that so that much. That was great. Is there, like, that was kind of the, the quick summary. I don't know if there was anything else to hit. There's, there's no. kind of not. Like this yeah. season so far, it just sort of is what it is. It's really enjoyable, but there's not a ton, there's not a ton of meat yet to really get stuck into, in my opinion. Um and I guess that's one of the really nice things about getting to merge so quick that we're we're to the thick part of the game um, early, a lot earlier. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot of really interesting people left, and I have no idea which way it's going to go. Honestly, I I don't know if I can remember a more diverse cast in terms of personality traits. It's very um, polarizing. We haven't got a really aggro person, I guess, someone who's really just going really aggressive. But apart from that, it's really interesting. Yeah, like from, I think there's a couple who, you know, might fly under the radar a little bit. But, you know, based on the first six episodes, there are so many people that I'd be like, oh, yeah, like I'd be happy if they won, like at this point. I mean, I haven't seen too much negative gameplay out of them. Um, so something we have actually um, that we haven't seen in a while that we've seen this season so far is they've made it to merge with pretty much four, oh, sorry, three even tribes. Like, you know, in the past when they start with three tribes, you know, there might be one or two that just dominate or, you know, the, the one tribe that just goes constantly to tribal, whereas this has been a really um, a very fair season um, so far. I'm just looking at the photos of everyone here. We have had so much screen time on every single one of these people. Like I genuinely don't even feel like one of them has stolen more than another. It's been so fair. And, you know, how we, we spent a lot of time in Oz Survivor going, where's this person? Where's that person? We don't have that here. Probably, probably to my least at the moment it's probably Lindsay. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay's probably of, of who's who's sort of yeah. – um, in what you're saying, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Lindsay's yeah, yeah. probably in that the, the one that's probably got the, the least – that's fair. And probably Lydia yeah. as well. They've probably weeded out a lot of the people that we weren't seeing and we probably weren't seeing them for that reason because they weren't making it far. Um, but, yeah, it's the people that are left. I'm fascinated great, to watch. Great, great point as well, like in the comparison sort of thing as well because we we did talk about um, about that a lot through our Australian podcast is, is the edit and the airtime that people were getting and that you can get halfway through before you see a montage of someone. And then, yeah, so, no, it's a really good pickup. I think that comes down to smaller tribes and that the fact that there's an even distribution of the amount of times that each tribe's going to tribal council. So you're seeing a detailed, you know, conversation and, you know, with six people, it's very hard to fly under the radar. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Whereas when you've got two tribes of, you know, what, 12 people each. people. And then, you know, yes, Australian season was actually very um, alternating with who was going to tribal, um, but... Yeah, like when there's just so many people, it's really hard to give that screen time, especially when you've got some big characters and some not-so-big characters. Look, it's a, a big vote in favour of these smaller tribes to begin with. One, it accelerates the game because the numbers required for a six-person tribe to vote someone out, everyone's involved versus when you've got big tribes, only X amount of people need to be involved. And then we actually often see 
four or five people just throwing random votes at other people because they actually weren't privy to the real vote. Mm. Um, so one, we're getting really good, like, you know, we talk about this Lydia thing that's happening in, uh, not Lydia, sorry, Jenny thing happening in episode four. Like when do we see good tribals in episode four? That doesn't happen when you've got, um, you know, 10 people tribes. So there, there's that part of it. And then the second part of it, like you mentioned, B, is being able to see everyone. At camp life, there's often six people sitting in a circle. We're seeing everyone and even a amount of screen time. To pick up on your point, I think it was fascinating when I was watching the start of this season that we literally got six people's introductions before they even had the shot of, the, of everyone on the beach. Like, it's it's quick. Yeah. It feels like we're getting everything, but they're not doing it in a way where it's, like, drawn out or, you know, too many shots of, you know, their family back there. It's like, this is the person, this is their story, enough of a glimpse so you get, like, a real vibe of their personality um, and then it's on to the next person. Like, it's... It's really fun, even like some of the people that, you know, have gone voted out, we've been able to see, you know, a big chunk of, of what they could have brought, which was nice. Yeah, like just hearing, you know, they'd be like, you know, this person, you know, is a, a dad of three, is a stay-at-home dad, you know, he likes to play golf, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's really quick. It takes five seconds as opposed to, you know, he likes to play golf and then it's just, you know, watching him swing and he's you know, a dad of three. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, a montage of his, you know, toddler just, you know, learning how to walk. Like we don't need to see a lot of this other stuff that just pads it out too much. Like, just give just, us the footnotes of this person's life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. The, the too long um, don't read. What's the, the TLDR. TLDR. Roxroy. Yeah. <laughs> golf dad done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Likes island alone time. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. Well, I think we're going to strap ourselves in. We're going to have, obviously, we're doing six episodes in, in one, but as we get in, we're going to be able to, to dive, dive deep on a few of these people and, and how we think they're tracking and going forward. But I guess anyone's got anything else to hit on, I can give my thoughts on where we're vibing at the moment through a power rankings. Get to it, mate. You know, I thought it would go interesting. At the top, and it'll be interesting to see if you guys agree, I've got two people at the moment and I've got High. So I think he's playing really hard, but I don't think it's obvious yet. He has the amulet. As you kind of said, Beth, I think he has the savvy to vote out Lydia when he needed to to play the percentages, get in the majority. I really like his game. The one that's more left field and that we said maybe we haven't seen a lot of her, but I'm a really big Lindsay fan. I think she's strong, not an obvious threat, though. I think she's very social. She's smart. Again, she has an amulet as well. I'm kind of weirdly a fan of copying a stray vote early in the merge. I think maybe that can make you feel like a little bit of a lesser threat in people's eyes. You've got to vote here. You're not on the tip of the tongue to go out, but you're also not being perceived as someone that's, you know, leading the tribe. I'm just getting really good vibes from her. So we'll see how we go. The movers are hard because, you know, this is the first one we're doing it, but I've got two people to watch. One of them's Omar. We've talked a lot about what he was doing um, with the vote. I think it is really risky to turn a big vote like that one your way without getting heat. Maybe it was worth it to keep Marianne because you might be using her as a number, but also we know that she's got a lot of advantages. I think Omar said that he's hoping these are getting played for his benefit in some way. So we'll see where that happens. The other one's Drea. So we've said that she's got three advantages now. She has the amulet, the extrovert, and the immunity idol. But I know High and Lindsay are people who know about all of these three things if they click it together. They know about her amulet. She's told this majority eight that she's got an extra vote. And if High is smart enough, 
they know that she's got their idol because of the way she kind of said the phrase. So if it clicks for them that she's got all three, and I think the way information is getting passed around, people are going to know. The amulet's the one that I think is on the low down, but if Hi and Lizzie click on, I think maybe they can try to get her out. So we'll see where she goes. And on the bottom I've got Chanel and Tori. So this one felt easy for now. Tori can't help herself. Maybe Rox Roy is a blind spot, but she seems oblivious to the impact of what she's saying. And then Chanel is desperate and clearly not in the majority, as we said. <laughs> Everyone's fishing. Yeah. She's an easy vote if they want to, but I can see her maybe pulling a bit of a Dave. If she puts her head down, she's burnt bridges early. No one wants to trust her, but she's still a vote and someone might want to use her. So we'll see how we go with that one. But that's the initial power rankings that we're going to build from there. Who was the first person you said? High, up the top. Do you think he's pretty high on your power rankings? Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pay that one. And I was like, oh, it's there, it's there, but you kept talking. (laughs) I need to breathe a little bit. I'll give give you room for these these dad jokes. For the puns. (laughs) And, yeah, Juicy Chanel isn't quite as catchy as Dave, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I I think you're bang on, mate. Yeah, I think it's a good point, like especially when someone gets a stray vote. Um, it, it can also light a fire in their belly because they saw their name written down. So then they, you know, start playing that little bit harder as well. And it'll be interesting to see what Lindsay does with that one. Well, now one of the slightly kind of newer vibes for our podcast is the revamped diamond in the buff. So over to you, Beth. Thank you. So, yes, Diamond in the Buff uh, buff, buff um, has had a facelift. Diamond in the Beth. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, this, so this segment now is going to be a bit more based around strategy. So the strategy move for the first six episodes, um, there were sort of two that came to mind, one being Omar in episode six, which we've already touched on, that he's managed to, you know, change the votes and sort of run the strategy play with that one. But my move goes to Mike. So I I thought it was really impressive that thought behind not saying the phrase to activate his idol. So thinking that, you know, if I have this until merge, that he then gets an idol anyway without anybody knowing except his own tribe who knew about this. He was very open about the fact that he didn't have a vote and that didn't seem to play negatively on his game because I guess he's got such a strong social game. So I, I... and I thought that was just a really interesting way to interpret the rules around this idol because pretty much everyone else that we've seen get it. So there's five other people now across the two seasons that have had this exact same challenge put in front of them. And, you know, they've all, the first thing is, you know, you're, you want to get an idol and you just, you say this wacko phrase to activate it. Whereas he was just like, you know what? No, I think there's more power in staying silent, which was just a an insight to how his brain works and I think some of the future strategy that we can see out of him. Um, he's, yeah, he, you know, might, might look like a bit of a, a brute on the outside, but there is definitely a brain uh, ticking away in there. Amazing. I like the new diamond in the best. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, we got some weird segments now. Gab's yeah. Challenge Breakdown hosted by Jacob, sponsored by Gab. Diamond in the best. No, it's it's organically growing in, and I, I think it's, it's, it's niche but fun. I like it. <laughs> 100%. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Well, that's fun. 
going through it's a different change of pace going kind of six instead of the the usual you know a couple or a week's worth on, on the odds but it's gonna be really good this is you know us catching up but you know the next episode is going to come out really soon um a couple of days after this one goes and then we're going to be back on basically on pace as they come out um australian time every thursday so hopefully the podcast will be you know popping out before the weekends um we'll have seven and eight and then I think usually they do 12 episodes in an American season. So um, we'll go all the way up until the end. But, um, yeah, any other kind of thoughts or we just kind of all thumbs up, sign off? Um, there's not enough Jordans in this cast for me. I don't like <laughs> it. <laughs> so there's a, at least that you'll be happy with that one, Beth, that we you shouldn't be – I don't think getting the names mixed up there. There's, I think there's enough, enough individual names, which is good. There's only um, two J names and they're both gone. Oh, no, we've got Jonathan, three J names. Yeah. So oh, how, how is he calling him Mr. Jeff? Mr. Yeah. Jeff. I, I love it so much. <laughs> I do like Mr. Jeff as well. Um, I don't – and we, we had we had a bit of a prediction for the season um, when we did the start of the Oz one um, where I, I don't think – and I was – I think I was ambitious thinking I wanted the auction for the Oz one and we stoked that we got it. Knowing that it's a pretty much a replica season, I doubt we're going to get the auction for the US one. I don't know whether there's any thoughts or predictions going forward for this season. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't want to go against you because we were all on last time, but um, it'll be hard. But I, I've kind of put my two top up there with the power rankings, but maybe it's a good time. Does anyone want to throw out who they think is is best place to win from here? I'm interested in seeing how Dre is going to pl- play all these advantages um, that she's got, um, meaning sometimes there's too much going on and it could be – and then if other people get wind of it, it's you'd, it's a good chance to get rid of somebody with that much power. Um, so I don't know whether I like her in a, in a kind of driver's seat because she's got – or whether it's just too much that she's got. She's kind of found herself in – because once she plays one – then she puts a target on her back already and then she's got the rest of them as well. So it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how she's going to go um, moving forward. Um, I think we've touched on other favourites. I, I, I'd love to see Jonathan go far in it um, purely because it just seems like he's an easy vote out just because he's dominant, but he seems just like a, a good dude like we've touched on as well. So I think Chanel's going to go far. Um, I think she's going to be the KJ of this season where she's an easy vote. Um, but I also think there's always going to be someone who they want to get out more due to strategy, due to strength or whatever, you know, disrupting life at camp, whatever it's going to be that I think, yeah, she's going to um, unfortunately get to the top five. <laughs> I'm going to uh, I'm going to go with my boy Mike. Let's see what mm. happens. Not, not really any reason apart from the fact that I just think he's cool. Um, plus it would just be a sort of unorthodox guy to win Survivor. So I hope he can build these relationships and not be too soft. Um, But, yeah, I like him. Something that's interesting, because these seasons are back-to-back, these winners have, whoever won, has waited a bloody long time to find out if they've won. It kind of sucks and it's not really fair. Imagine, you know, a year and a half or something waiting to figure out if you've won, probably more. We didn't get a reunion after season 41, did we? Was there a reunion show? Yeah. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I remember seeing Erica... Yeah, all dolled up. Oh yes, because they oh they did it, it was, straight yeah. away. Oh no, yeah, they did do it straight away. They did it differently, yeah. So do you reckon they'll do this one straight away then? I'd say so. Probably. So they probably already know then. So they haven't had to wait. Mm. <laughs> it's all kind of 
off because of the the quarantine. Yeah. yeah, I'm interested because they obviously they recorded these seasons back to back. Um, when we're going to see season 43, um, are they like mm. kind of recording it on go? Because um, usually we get two American seasons a year, um, but because they filmed them quite a lot, 42 was, yeah, filmed a while ago now, so I'm, I'm interested if they've got 43 almost ready for us. Give don't us check sports up, bet yeah. on 42. Yeah. yeah. Don't speak to you know who. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. Yeah, I don't even think it's worth saying his name. I don't want to give him that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh shit well, that was great um thank you um all around for the crew getting back reuniting um on our quest for another season of survivor um it's super fun so thanks everyone for for listening and, and catching up with your if you're even listening and you've already kind of skipped ahead we'll be back on time very quickly to to go through it all but um i think yeah we'll find our probably our groove back again once we're doing just individual episode breakdowns as well it was kind of a, a hard way to do with the, the overlap but i'm looking that makes to it seem like we didn't have our groove this week i don't think that's oh bad. no no i think oh, we've been grooving good. hard mr negative <laughs> that wasn't negative i was just saying there was a lot to pack into one episode so i don't want to brush over on on all the other things but yeah we'll get yeah. back to in more yeah. in-depth breakdowns and- We've always said the game starts at Merge and we have just managed to go straight to Merge. We've got one episode or one pod to, you know, pre-Merge and then here we go. Geniuses. We haven't, even, we haven't even done our draft yet, which we'll probably just do off off, <laughs> off tape anyway, but we've got to get that going as well. I know. Like I, in my head I was like, I'd, I'd love the draft, but based on last season and how I did, it's not the worst. <laughs> <laughs> You probably would have chosen Zach and, yeah. and Swafi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Daniel was my first vote, I reckon it would have been. <laughs> probably. <laughs> oh, well, well sweet. Love it. Thanks, everyone, for checking us out. And we'll be hitting you with heaps of podcast content very quickly as this season goes. So um, cheers, and we'll catch you on the next one. You know and what don't people need to, to do? <laughs> do yeah. Tell your friends. Tell your friends, everyone. <laughs> See you later. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>